Hello, my name is TCP White. I am on a mission to positively change the world. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I believe as you do, the power of positive change will come upon you. Today, I want to speak on a topic I titled, Before You Marry. Before You Marry. If you are married, you may wish to use this as a yardstick to advise those around you who are not married. If you are unmarried, then this is for you. Before you marry, it is a letter to the unmarried. A letter to the unmarried. Before I proceed, may I ask you a few questions? Before you marry, who are you? Before you marry, what are you? Before you marry, where are you socially, spiritually, financially, or otherwise? I will have you know that marriage is not a destination, but a journey. Marriage, as I have said in one of my family series earlier in the month of June or July, is a journey that is embarked by a single individual who joins with another individual and both of them becomes a pair. As they continue in that journey, they receive blessings of the womb, which is children, and then they become a family. So marriage and familyhood is a journey, not just something that you attain and you claim that you have hit a jackpot. So what you do today determines who you marry, how you marry, and how your marital life will be. So I need you to take this time of your singleness or your singlehood very important because the seeds you sow today are the seeds you will reap in marriage. In a subsequent discussion on this topic or addressing the singles, I may address certain other issues that will help you to prepare yourself for marriage. But in this area, I want to address a few salient points that I believe will help you in this marriage journey that you may wish to embark upon. So before you marry, there are certain things that you must know. I would have you know that you need to study about marriage. And one of the things I wish to bring to you here is some information that will help you concerning the marriage journey. First of all, one thing you need to decide upon before you marry is the question, is marriage part of your destiny? Is marriage part of your destiny? Genesis chapter 2 verse 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. I just read from the New King James Version. From that scripture, it sounds generalistic. The Lord said it is not good for man or woman to be alone. Remember when God created Adam, Eve was inside him. So it was not good for both man and woman, according to the scripture we read, to be alone. And the Lord decided to make a helper. From that statement or that scripture, we are drawing that it is part of the destiny of man 
for him to be married. However, there are a few persons under the surface of the earth or on the surface of the earth under the sun who may feel that marriage is not their destiny. And I want to also read from scripture to help you see that this exists. So let us read from Matthew chapter 19 from verse 10 to 12. After a discussion on divorce, Jesus' disciples made a statement and he went further to explain. Verse 10, And his disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus then teaches on the issues with celibacy. Verse 11, He says, But Jesus said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it is given. What is it that is given? Jesus here talking about marriage, saying that there are those to whom marriage is given. What does that mean? It also means that there are those to whom it is not given. Remember the question we are addressing. Before you marry, determine if marriage is part of your destiny. In verse 12, the concluding part, Jesus said, For there are eunuchs who were born from their mother's womb. Eunuchs are those who are sworn to celibacy, those who choose not to get married or those who for whatever medical reason or whatever decide or are you know, not given to productive life or do not have the, 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 the biological grace to reproduce. So Jesus is saying there are those who are born so from their mother's womb. He now says that there are also eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, such as those who serve in the king's palace. They are made eunuchs so that they will concentrate on serving the crown. A third category Jesus mentioned there, he says, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuch for the kingdoms of heaven's sake. There are those who for their religious or vocational calling decide that I will focus on my calling and not be entangled with the issues of marriage. Jesus now concluded, he says, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. We have a few persons who, though unmarried, went on to fulfill their destiny. Jesus Christ was one of them. Apostle Paul was one of them. There are so many others in scripture, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. However, there are many others who, though married, also fulfilled their destiny. So, but the question here is, is marriage part of your destiny? Do you feel complete without getting married? I am asking this question because it is important for you to settle this in your heart. We live in a times where people are put under immense, enormous, and most times unnecessary pressure to marry. I'm going to address that as we go forward. So after you have determined whether it is your destiny to get married, Yes or no, that much can only be settled by you and your God. The next thing you want to address is why do you need to get married? Why do you need to get married? I will run quickly through a few reasons why some people or some persons get married in our time today. Some of the common reasons why people get married. Number one is because of the urge to have sex. Some people have been brought up in a moral environment 
and they feel that if you want to get married or if you want to have sex it should be within the context of the marriage institution this is good this is also scriptural the bible says in the book of first corinthians 7 it says instead of giving yourself to fornication get married so that you will not be jumping around or having a sexual partner that you are not lawfully married to and then be guilty of the sin of fornication so some of the common reasons why people get married is i don't want to be flirting around i don't want to be jumping around i don't want to have several chains of boyfriends or girlfriends nor do i want to have a permanent sex mate rather if i would choose such let me just go ahead and marry him or her so sex or the urge to satisfy one's sexual urge is one of the common reasons why we get married. Another common reason that is prevalent especially in Africa is the need to have children. To some people, the essence of marriage is just for procreation, just to have children. That is why you see that after that goal is achieved, the marriage almost always ends up in endurance both parties just continue to endure each other because the primary goal for getting married is to raise children and once the children have come maybe you plan to have two or three children once you have those children your, your spouse becomes useless to you and then everybody's attention focuses or both partners attention focuses on the children and they begin to bring in resources to take care of children so there's no real connection between the husband and the wife this is another common reason that is prevalent in africa Another common reason why people get married also seem to be prevalent in Africa is to avoid pressure. Like I mentioned earlier, a lot of persons have been put under immense pressure by parents, by friends, by relatives. When are you going to get married? Ah, oh boy, oh girl, you are getting old. You are a chronic bachelor. You know, all of such things that we say, we think they are jibes or they are jokes, but we put people under pressure and they, it makes them feel useless or incomplete or it makes them feel you know uh, uh, like a social misfit because your friend is married or you have a friend a group of friends of two or three and the majority are married and you are the only one or probably two of you and everybody begins to put pressure on you ah guy when are you going to get married girl when are you going to get married i think this is uncalled for this is un un unnecessary and people should get to that stage where they know that marriage is not a social status it's not a goal that one achieves and have you know suddenly arrived which is the next point i want to raise to some persons or one of the common reasons that people get married also seeming to be prevalent in africa is for social status we get married just to to shut the mouth of our detractors we get married just to have you know something to br brag about i was chatting with a young lady some time ago before i got married and i was asking her what is your life goal just finish school and look for a young man and get married in, that is her life goal so to her getting married is a social status it's a it's an achievement it's a height in life and unfortunately many people share this in this idea that once you get married you have become big amongst your peers you cannot look down on others you don't hang out with the boys anymore you don't hang out with the ladies anymore because according to social or society you are no longer in their level simply because you are married now, these are the common reasons why people get married. I have not said they are right or wrong, but I'm saying these are the common reasons. As we go forward, we'll discuss even more. Going forward, there are the right reasons 
for one to get married. And that is what I want to discuss even now. What are the right reasons for one to get married? One is companionship. Companionship. The scripture we read earlier, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, from the message translation. The Bible says, And God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make for him a helper, a companion. The primary purpose for which God instituted marriage is for companionship. There is what we call the law of first mention. When a thing is mentioned first in the script in scriptures, it becomes the main reason for that thing going forward. So when marriage was first instituted or mentioned, the reason why God mentioned it or created it is for companionship, for help. So when the Bible says that God created marriage or created the woman or intended to create the woman for the man, it was for companionship because man was lonely and God instituted marriage to close that gap of loneliness. So the Bible says that God decided to make a helper, a companion for man and then marriage was instituted. So the first and the primary purpose for which one should get married, which is the right reason, is for companionship. That is why we encourage young men and young ladies, you cannot marry somebody who is a stranger to you. You must seek to marry your friend because that is the only way you will enjoy marriage. Don't marry for children. Don't marry for sex. Apparently, we can have all these things outside marriage, but you can marry for companionship because it is a lifelong engagement or entanglement the other reason from the same scripture we have read is one who will be a helper to you for destiny fulfillment when bible talks about or when we say helper it connotes the fact that you are doing something and need somebody to assist you so you must have a job or a destiny to fulfill when i mean job i don't mean economic job i mean a job in the scheme of divine agenda what are you what is your life goal, your life purpose? What are you called to fulfill or to achieve on earth? What is that thing that when you do it, it makes you happy? The person that you get married to must be such that will help you fulfill destiny. And it's not just from women to men. It is also the other way around. It is vice versa. Man to woman, woman to man. So marriage should also be for destiny fulfillment. Amos 3.3 says, two cannot work together except they agree so you need to come into agreement travel together fulfill destiny together another right reason for getting married is to raise godly seed the bible says in the book of malachi chapter 2 verse 15 that the reason god is interested in godly marriage is because it is one of the avenues by which we can transfer our faith to raise godly seed to the next generation so god is interested in people christians getting married to one another so that we can raise godly seed and by so doing extend the kingdom of god on earth beyond our generation i expect that there will be questions from this area that we have discussed i'll be willing to take your questions and let us discuss further i want to move on quickly to discussing where can you find a spouse after you have determined that marriage is part of your destiny 
and then you have identified the main reason or the proper reason, the right reasons for getting married, the next thing you want to do is where can I find a spouse, whether a man and a woman. And I believe that the best place to find a spouse is in the place of common interest, the place where life or life's engagement have brought the two of you together where you share a common goal or a common interest places like the places of work the places of school the places of worship or places of social involvement where you have common interests a place where you know that the people around that area share the same interest with you so something must bring you together and that is what life does sometimes they say the universe orchestrates our life in such a way that we meet the people that we should meet at every given point in time so for you to find a spouse don't go to places that when you now you know in future you will now begin to regret there are places that I personally will not look for a spouse. Places like the clubhouse where people go to drink, smoke and dance and do all sorts. For me, that is a no-no. Or just walk up to a stranger on the street and then propose marriage. I don't think that is good. For some people it may have worked, but I think it is risky. The way to find a spouse in your business place, your workplace, your place of uh, economic engagement, your place of social involvement, your place of schooling, Anywhere that is saying that people come together to give themselves, to invest themselves, you can find a spouse in such environments. Haven't identified the place where you can find your spouse. The next thing you want to do is how do you now pick from one amongst all the people that you are seeing? How do you pick one amongst two million? How do you pick one amongst ten? How do you pick one amongst twenty? That is the next thing I wish to drop with you. And I hope that this information will help somebody out there. The first criteria for picking somebody that you want to spend the rest of your life with is that one, you must be willing to give everything that you demand from the other person. So all the criteria that you are going to put forward must be such that you yourself possess them. If you want somebody to be A, B, C, you yourself must be A, B, C. You cannot expect from another what you don't have. Marriage is not this half come together to meet this half and they become one. No, it is a complete one coming together to another complete one and they be both becoming one. So everything you demand or you expect from your spouse to be must be such that you are willing to give. For me, the following are important to identify the person that you should be willing to spend the rest of your life with. Number one, somebody who fears God. And when I say somebody who fears God, I do not mean somebody who goes to church. I do not mean somebody who bears a Christian name. I do not mean somebody who comes from a Christian family. No, I am referring to someone who has a personal working relationship with God. One who is accountable to God. One who fears God in spirit and in truth. Yes, they go to church. Yes, they bear a Christian name. Yes, they must come from a Christian family. But it's beyond that. He or she as a person must engage God, must have God. God as their Lord and Master, must have the fear of God, must value the Word of God, must value the presence of God, must be someone who shuns iniquity. One of the ways to know somebody who fears God is that he or she must abhor or shun iniquity. You don't invite your boyfriend or girlfriend to spend the weekend with you and he agrees. Both of you do not fear God. 
That is just the truth. If you extend that invitation, you don't fear God. If he or she accepts it, he or she does not fear God. So the fear of God is the number one criteria because that is the bedrock for every other thing that will come after. If he doesn't fear God or she doesn't fear God, there is the likelihood he will be a man bitter or a woman bitter or a cheater or a drunk or whatever. So somebody who fears God is the major foundation you need because that is the major guarantee that your married life will be successful. That is the major, not the only. As we go forward, we shall discuss even more. So number one, the person should fear God. The second is that the person should love you or accept you as a person. Now, it is easy to say I will marry somebody who I love, but that is risky. If your love has not been reciprocated by the other party, it is not time to take that relationship to the next level. So don't marry somebody you love, rather marry somebody who loves you. Somebody who accepts you for who you are, accepts your weaknesses, your, your strengths, accepts your idiosyncrasies. Everybody is gifted differently. If the person has not made up his or her mind to accept you, accept your complexion, accept your shape, accept your tone, accept your tribe, accept anything and everything about you, that person is not the one for you. Do not marry somebody with the hope of changing that person. Don't marry somebody with the hope that the person will fall in love with you eventually. That is a risky gamble to take. The person must first love you in return to your love. I can see somebody and love that person. I may be with somebody and love the person, but it may be clear that the person has not yet made up his or her mind to reciprocate that love. Until that is so, do not take that relationship to the marriage level. Wait until you are sure that this person has reciprocated your love, accepts you for who you are. Put one or two tests to be sure that this person is there for you. How do I de define love? A lot of definitions are out there, beautiful, great ones. One of the ones which I love is that love is not a noun, but love is a verb. Love is something you do. You show it. It is not something you just say with your mouth. It is an action word. Love is an action word, the thing that you do. Love is not that butterfly that flows in your stomach when you think about somebody you care for. No, love is their willingness to accept this person in spite of his or her real or perceived flaw. Again, my main definition for love is the acronym L-O-V-E. To love somebody, you must be willing to listen to that person. L, listen to that person. That means you must be a, a willing ear, a listening ear, a shoulder to cry on. Someone that will be able to carry the burden of another. Two, oh, you must be willing to open up to that person. That is why I talk about reciprocating love. You cannot receive love alone. You must be willing to give it back. So you listen and then you open up to pour out. Also share your own life with the other person. Then V, you must venerate that person. Lift the person in high esteem. Exalt the person. Adore the person. If possible, worship that person. And then E, you must be empathetic to that person. Person. Be such that you can put your foot, your feet in the person's shoes, feel what he or she feels, and then know how to help that person. Another criteria for picking a person that you will spend the rest of your life with, that person must be cultured, must be cultured, not cultured in the name, in the, in the guise of 
tribe or you know ethnicity i'm not talking of such culture but the human culture that person must be refined the person must be civilized i'm not talking also of western civilization in quotes but i'm talking about one who has value for a human being one who respects another human being one who respects both old and young who values life values relationship values everything that is good the person is cultured carries himself or herself with dignity have integrity have respect not just treat you very well but treat every other person well if i'm going to get married to a lady and the lady treats me well and treats my family well but treats the less privileged less i will not get involved with such person because it is a pointer that that person have something skilled in her if i cannot help her to behave differently to those who she considers more than or greater than then he or she should not travel this married path with me so the person must be cultured such that values life values the human being values integrity values every individual that he or she comes across and then a final one for me at this point is that the person must have someone that he or she is accountable to don't marry somebody who claims to be a tree in a forest somebody who does not have an authority figure that when you say i will report you to this person the person adjusts there must be a man or a woman that this person is accountable to somebody that can advise them somebody like a mentor in any field of life it can be anybody it doesn't have to be father or mother it can be whoever but this person is accountable to that authority figure and that you can call that person and say please help me speak to brother help me speak to sister and that person can talk and then you will see considerable changes in the life of that person if you don't have this criteria the person you are dating with currently you can begin to find out this information talk to the person engage the person in communication you know skill discuss what are the things that you have based on the information that you have heard now sit down with your spouse to be your fiance or your fiance listen to this podcast and as you do evaluate your relationship and see if you are in the right place or not my name is tcp white i am on a mission to positively change the world thank you hello My name is TCP White. I am on a mission to positively change the world. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I pray as you do, may the power of positive change come on you. Today, I want to speak on a topic I titled, Before You Marry. Before You Marry. It is a letter to the unmarried folks amongst us. A letter to the unmarried. So if you are listening to this and you are married, you might want to share this with your unmarried relatives or friends. And if you are unmarried and you are listening to this, the Lord has favored you. May this information you are going to get from this podcast bless your life. A few questions I want to put before you as we we begin. First one, before you marry, who are you? Before you marry, what are you? Before you marry, where are you in terms of social, spiritual, or financial well-being? Where can you be found? As we go forward in this podcast presentation, I will make it 
a duty to present to you also informations about your preparedness before marriage. But in this episode, I want to talk to you about three or four major informations that I need you to know before you settle down maritally. Number one, I want to ask you or I need you to ask yourself, is marriage part of your destiny? Are you destined to get married? A lot of people are married today to whom marriage is not their destiny. There are those who ought to get married and are still struggling to get married. It may be strange that I'm asking this question, but there are those who may not need to get married. But because we live in a society where things have been turned upside down, we think that everybody must get married. As we go forward, you will understand better. In the book of Genesis, chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says there, And God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make a helper meet or comparable to him. So what God is saying there is that it is part of his design for man to get married. It is God's will, it is God's dream for you and I, for everyone, man or woman, not just the male, to get married. However, general as it may seem, there are a few percentage of persons in, on earth that are not cut out for marriage. It doesn't make them less human. It doesn't make them less complete. It doesn't make them a social misfit. It doesn't make them inconsequential. It is just their destiny. To buttress that point, let me read from Matthew chapter 19, from 10 to 12, the New King James Version. Jesus, having thought about divorce with his people, his disciples then asked him a question. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. Then Jesus went on to teach them the subject of celibacy. Verse 11, he says, But Jesus said to them, All cannot accept this, but only those to whom it is given. Let us pause there for a bit. Jesus said only to those whom it is given. What does that mean? There are those to whom marriage is given and there are those to whom it is not given. That is why I asked you, have you identified to find out that marriage is part of your destiny? If that is the case, then do all within your means to get married. If not, then you can go on with your life and be fulfilled without even getting married. Verse 12, which is the last one we are looking in this scripture, Jesus went on saying, For there are those, or say, for there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb. Who are eunuchs? Eunuchs are those who have given to celibacy or who are not productive for whatever reason. Jesus says that some of eunuchs are those who are born that way from their mother's womb. So as they came out, they are not, they are celibate. They are already, you know, their reproductive organs are, is not productive. It's not a biological fault. It's just the way they are. And Jesus went on to say that there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men. An example of such are those who serve in the, in the king's palace. They are made eunuchs so that they can focus on their service to the crown. And a third category said there are those who are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. We know of the nuns 
the 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 uh, the monks, those who have given themselves to celibacy to serve a com- a, a cause that they believe in. And then Jesus rounding off says, he who is able to accept it, let him accept it. So what we are driving at here is that there are those who may not necessarily fulfill destiny by getting married. So everybody's destiny may not be necessarily to get married. So before you get married, you need to first ascertain that marriage is part of your destiny. Don't just marry because everybody's getting married, which is the next thing that I want to talk about. Number two is why do you need to get married why is it necessary for you to get married even if it's part of your destiny why do you then have to get married that is the question you also need to answer for yourself some of the common reasons for which people get married is one sex even scripture says instead of giving or engaging yourself in fornication get married first corinthians 7 so a lot of persons feel that I don't want to be sleeping around, so I'd rather get married. To satisfy my marriage, my sexual urge, let me get married. So one of the common reasons for which people get married is sex. Another is to give birth to children, especially in our climate in Africa. A lot of people believe that the main reason for them to get married is just to give birth to children. And then you see those kind of couples, they come together, invest all their time in childbearing. Immediately they get married, the next nine months, children have appeared. And then all the attention of both, spa, or both couples shifts to their children. And then their own relationship becomes redundant. It is the major reason why a lot of relationship or marriages in Africa is nothing but endurance. You just see that the man and the woman are contract staff in their own marriage. They engage each other in a contractual relationship. No real connection. It's just bring for the children, pay the bills, do this one, do that one, and that is all. Between the husband and the wife, there's no real connection because the main reason for their getting married is children. In the flip side, in this time of baby mamas and baby daddies, a lot of people believe that because they have gotten what married people get, they don't need to get married anymore. So they say things like, after all, I have a son or a daughter. I have a child. I have two children. Why do I need to get married? They feel that the reason for getting married is just to have children. And since I have gotten it, I don't need to bother myself about marriage. These are some of the common reasons, especially as prevalent in Africa. Another common reason for getting married is to avoid pressure. The pressure of friends, pressure of parents, pressure of relatives. A lot of people just keep putting pressure. It, 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 it's, it's rampant everywhere. You see a young man, 20, 30, and then a lot of people just begin to put pressure on him. When are you going to get married? Or a young lady, when are you going to get married? When a lady begins to clock 20, 25, her parents begin to, when are you bringing the man home? So this pressure puts enormous weight on the shoulder of the individual, and then they go out of their way to get married, just to close the mouth of their so-called relatives or loved ones who are putting pressure on them the same way parents tell their children i want to carry my grandson i want to carry my grandchild i want to carry my granddaughter and this put pressure on people to either get children out of wedlock or marry by all means another reason why people get married is for social status some people believe that marriage is a social status it's a it's an achievement in life once you get married, you are now bigger than some people. In a setting, 
you can get married and then you become bigger or more respectable than your colleagues or your, your aid mates. So once a person is married, he or she is referred to as Madame or Oga, whilst those of his age mates or age grade or even older than him who are not married are looked at as young men, young boys who are just layabouts. That is the society we find ourselves today. But I believe that there are right reasons for which people should get married. And those right reasons are also found in scripture. From the place that we read earlier, Genesis chapter 2 verse 18. If you read that from the message translation, the Bible says that God's intention to make marriage or to create the marriage institution or to bring the woman out of the man is for two reasons. One, to make a companion for the man and two, a helper. So the primary reason for which God initiated marriage is to create a companion that is the relationship that exists between a man and his wife that is the main reason the second reason is for destiny fulfillment that is why it is said a helper so the man was created to do certain work in some of my previous episodes i have said that the primary reason or the purpose for which god created man is one to be his son and two to take charge of the earth to fulfill that destiny God created the woman to help man to fulfill his destiny. So as a young man, as a young woman that is intending to get married, get your priorities right. Are you marrying so that you can have a companion? Then you are in the right lane. Are you marrying to have somebody who can help you fulfill life destiny, divine destiny, divine assignment? Not somebody who will help you raise children or make money, no, but someone who can help you fulfill your deep-rooted life goal, the main purpose for your existence. What is that which God has commissioned to you, which you believe if you achieve this, no matter how great, you will become happy and fulfilled? That is your calling. That is your purpose. Now you need a companion who will help you fulfill that destiny. Amos 3.3 says, two cannot work together except they agree for you to be able to find that person there must be a connection an agreement and that is where marriage comes in marriage is the highest form of human relationship because it also typifies the relationship between christ and his church according to ephesians chapter 5. a third reason i may add to this is to the need to bring godly offspring Another right reason to get married, especially for Christians, is to raise godly offspring. Malachi chapter 2 verse 15, the Lord said this much. Why is he interested in godly marriage? It's so that we can raise godly offspring. What does that mean? As a Christian father, a Christian mother, we stand a better chance to extend Christianity on the surface of the earth by teaching our children the ways of God. And this is what God desires. That is why his support is with Christian marriage. No wonder he says that we as Christians should not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. But that is a subject for discussion on another day. So after you have determined that marriage is part of your destiny and you have also identified the need for you to get married, you then need to proceed to the next point which is to know where to find your life partner. Where can you find the right person for you? 
I we advise that the best place to find your life partner is in the place where you share common interests. Do not marry a stranger. Don't marry someone whose life or whose interests you do not know. Places of common interest include places of worship, places of schooling, places of work, places of social engagements, and all such. Those places where life has already brought you together, where the universe has orchestrated both of you to come together. You may have been in the same environment all the while. Maybe you have not just met her, but there is a common interest. The fact that both of you come together in that environment means that there is something pulling the both of you to that place. So it means that you share a common interest. And from that pool of individuals, you can find a person that you can share your life goal with. Some people take the risk to approach a stranger and say, I like you, I want to marry you. I think that is too much of a risk to gamble. But some people will argue that it has worked for them. I wish them luck. But for me, I think that is a no-no. I also think that it's not good to find a spouse in places like the clubhouse where you go to, you know, waste your life and do all sort of things, drinking and smoking and laying about. I would rather not find a spouse in such environments. But again, some people will argue that it has worked for them. I wish them well. So, but like I have advised, my main advice to you at this point is find a spouse in the place where you share common interests. A final point I want to discuss in this subject of before you marry is where can you then choose or how can you then choose your life partner? After you have gone through the first three that we have discussed, now you have known where you can pick your life partner. There may be 20 persons of the opposite gender there from which you can pick from. How do you choose the right person? That is what we want to discuss now. But let me caution here that everything you put forward as a condition to choosing a life partner must be something that you already possess and you are willing to give. Do not approach marriage with the mindset that I am half and this person will bring the other half and when we join together, we will become a whole one. That is a wrong view of marriage. You are a complete individual. Work on yourself, develop yourself, meet another complete individual who is working on himself or herself, developing himself or herself, and both of you also becoming one. Whatever you demand of the other, you must be willing to give. The first thing, therefore, that you need to note is that the person must be one who fears God. The person who fears God. I am not talking about somebody who goes to church or bears a Christian name or is born from a Christian family. All of those things are good but not enough. The person himself must have a working, standing relationship with God through Christ and must fear God, must respect the word of God, must hold God in high esteem, must be one that abhors iniquity. If you are drawing the person to sin, the person must resist and not the one who will be drawing you to sin. So the person must show good, considerable 
clear signs of the fear of God, respects the will of God in every matter, not one who wants to do anything to make money or just want to satisfy his or her urge by all means. The person must fear God genuinely and love God genuinely and that person is the one that you can decide to travel with. Marriage is not a journey. Marriage is marriage is not a de- destination but a journey. It's not a product but a process of making life. So you embark on a journey with the person you are traveling with and if the person is such that is willing to cut corners, be careful with such. Marry somebody whose life is predictable based on the word of God, that is willing to stand on integrity, on righteousness, on holiness. I am not talking about one who goes to church, even devils go to church. Witches and wizards go to church. A lot of people flock to church today because they know that that is where the gullible ones are. People who are good, people who have been keeping themselves. So devils disguise themselves as angels of light, go to church, pick the innocent ones and then ruin their destiny. So you must be on the lookout. Look out for the person. That is why I said you can't marry a stranger. Don't do what we call matchmaking. The person must be a, 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 a person who fears God. Yes, people can recommend to you. That is okay. But even after recommendation, find out for yourself if what they have told you about this person is ideal. That is why you need time to relate with the person. Remember, I mentioned earlier the place of common interest. Another point is the person must be one who loves you. The person who has accepted you. The person must reciprocate your love. I can see sister A and love her. If she does not love me in return, she is not my wife yet. I can see brother B and love him. If he does not return my love, if he does not accept me for who I am, accept my complexion, my shape, my tribe, my ethnicity, my height and everything about me, he is not my husband yet. Don't marry somebody with the hope of changing the person or that the person will fall in love with you eventually. That is too much of a risk to gamble. Love or marry somebody who has reciprocated your love. The person must accept you before you take the relationship to the next level. If you love the person and you are the only one who loves, the person is not yet a husband or wife material. So what does it mean to love? It is out there everywhere. It means to accept somebody for who they are. It means to be willing to sacrifice for that person. But for me, love, according to the acronym L-O-V-E, means to listen to the other individual, open up to the other individual, venerate the other individual, which is to adore or to worship, to exalt, to hold in high esteem, and then to empathize with the other individual. Another pointer to choosing the person that you will spend the rest of your life with is that the person must be cultured, not one who has a tribal culture. I'm not referring to tribal or ethnic culture. I'm referring to the culture of a human being, the culture of life, one who is refined, one who is civilized. I mean someone who respects the individual, someone who respects human beings, someone who values life, who respects people, great or small, who doesn't look down on people, one who is not proud, one who is not puffed up, one who does not treat less people lesser than human, but someone who no matter who the person is, who can go out of their way to help. 
Don't marry somebody who treats only you well and treats your relatives like death or treats you and your family well and treats every other person, especially those that she, he or she thinks is greater than lesser. No, that person is, that is a bad sign of things to come. So be on the lookout. Watch out for people who treat everybody equally. One who has integrity, sincerity, honesty. That is a good person to spend the rest of your life with. We know that human beings are always weak in certain areas of life. But when you point out to that person the areas of their weakness and they are willing to grow, willing to learn, relearn and unlearn, then you are in a good relationship. Finally, on this point, to choose a life partner, the person must be one that has somebody that he or she is accountable to. The person must be subject to another person that when you call that person and say advise this person, he or she can listen. It may be their parents, it may be their spiritual parents, it may be a mentor, it may be a friend, it may be a boss, whoever. The person who is a, a, a supervisor in quotes, a mentor, a coach to this other fellow that you can say ah who is that person you are accountable to then the person can say whenever you report me to sister a sister b or my big sister or my big brother or this my friend when they talk to me i will listen somebody must have another person that can talk to them this does not in any way suggest that as a woman you should not respect your husband until another person talks to you that is not what we are talking about but we are saying if there's a woman that you are partnering your life after that you say if mommy so 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 talk to me or you report me to my mother or this my auntie or this my grandma when they speak to me no matter how hot i am i will listen that is a person that you can spend the rest of your life with so what have we discussed so far before you marry a letter to the unmarried before you marry who are you before you marry what are you before you marry where are you and I have said, I have shared four things with you. Before you marry, determine that marriage is part of your destiny. That when you marry, it will fulfill a part of your destiny or your life goal. Number two, why do you need to get married? Why is it so important for you to get married? Is it because you don't want to be sexually promiscuous? Is it because you want to have children? Is it because you want to avoid pressure of life? Is it because you want to attain a certain social status? Or you have the right reasons for which you want to get married to have a companion as a life partner, to have someone who can help you to fulfill life destiny? Or again, you want to raise godly children. The other third thing I've shared is where can you find a life partner? I have said the place you can do so is in a place of common interest, place where life has orchestrated for you to meet the person of your dream. And then finally, how can you choose? What criteria do you have to choose your life partner? I wish to enjoin you to call that person you are dating, sit down with him or her, listen to this podcast, and both of you evaluate your relationship in the light of what you have heard. And if you are married, you have people who are unmarried, share this with them. Let them evaluate their lives, evaluate their current relationship, and see if they are on the right path or not. It is never too late to turn around and head for the right destination. We do not continue to travel in the wrong path 
paths just because we have gone too far. It is never too late. You can always turn back now. Even if you are in a wrong relationship, you can end it now. Miss Bim, uh, Pastor Bimbo Dukoya, the late Pastor Bimbo Dukoya said, a broken relationship is always better than a broken marriage. So take that decision now, evaluate your relationship, and then begin to put things in order. My name is TCP White. I am on a mission to positively change the world.